0: This is episode 66 of the Movie Maniacs podcast. I'm your host, Noah. And joining me is Patrick Segan, And also joining me is Madeline O'Segan. We're here to talk about sense and sensibility. Um, we went from David Fincher to here. I'm not sure how, but we're covering all <laughs> sorts of categories here on the Movie Maniacs podcast. And I'm definitely excited to talk about this one. This is a definitely a new era for me on and off the show. Uh, Patrick and I, we haven't talked about anything similar to this at all, so this is a, this is a new category for us, and I'm really excited, and uh, we're bringing Madeline onto the show, and that's also exciting as well. Madeline, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk about sens- Sensibility.
0: Yeah, of course, but before we get into that, um, Madeline, Patrick, what have you seen? Madeline, how about you go ahead and start us off?
1: Um, the last week, I've seen *Sense and Sensibility* and another rom com. Uh, well, *Sense and Sensibility* isn't a rom com, but a yes, rom com. I
2: would argue that it is.
1: Okay, well, a rom com called *Notting Hill*. I've never seen it before. It stars Hugh Grant, who is also in this huh. film, and it also stars Julia Roberts. Mm-hmm. And it was a little disappointing, not going to lie. <laughs> great, great premise. Um, bad follow through.
0: Yeah. I've not seen That's that one. It. Julia Roberts You're kind down. of gets me on edge a little bit, though, because she's my least favorite part about Ocean's Eleven. And so when I hear Julia Roberts, I just kind of cringe just a little bit because I'm I'm not a really big fan of hers. But um,
1: oh, I love her. <laughs> Mostly because of her role in Steel Magnolias and because I played the same role in a theatrical version of Steel Magnolias. Oh,
0: the Ocean's Eleven is the only thing that I have seen her in. So maybe I should just have to, maybe I should get into other films of hers, but Ocean's Eleven was it and she did not impress me there. But um, Patrick, what what about you? What have you seen? Um, So I've
2: been with Game of Thrones for most of the week so I haven't seen a whole lot and what I have seen has been all rewatches um mm-hmm. but I rewatched Blade Runner and I just wow. have to mention I watch it because it just really gets better every time <laughs> yeah uh, like a fine wine with age um and I also got to rewatch with Nile and I because they put it on HBO Max and that was fun just to kind of reminisce on when I was really into that movie which i'm not mm-hmm. as much anymore but it was still it's still great and the ending still gets me every time and i also re her um the spike jones movie with uh joaquin phoenix and rudy mara the adams charlotte johansson yeah. um today and it was a lot better than i remember maybe it was oh. just because i was in the right mood for it but um i enjoyed it uh <laughs> There's some really great heart-wrenching scenes. Some of it is a little like uh, self-aware, wishy-washy, I suppose, (laughs) um, for lack of better terms. Um, But it's not that bad to sit through and there's some great comedy moments and some uh, really gloomier moments that I enjoyed just as much. Um, Mm -hmm. But overall, pretty solid, great acting, really enjoyable. And how about you? now? I've seen it recently.
0: Well, I have not seen much, and uh, which is a little weird because it's this is my first official week of summer, so I was expecting to have seen a lot of movies at this point, but I've only seen one, and that movie was Argo, directed by Ben Affleck and starring Ben Affleck, and I just I only kind of came up to decide to watch this movie in like a, a few like really short minutes, like I'd considered it a couple of times in the past. And I was just like, you know what? I don't want to get into my Oscar madness again because I was already kind of mad that Argo won and I hadn't even seen it. But, you know, for Best Picture and all that, which is just, you know, listeners of the show will know that I get really mad sometimes about movies win and don't win Oscars. And Argo was kind of one of those where I was just always skeptical about it. But it, I wasn't even a very big fan of The Town, which was Ben Affleck's other movie that I had seen, with the exception of like Gone Baby Gone. But I haven't seen that movie. Yeah. I did see The Town. And The Town was just pretty good. I, I didn't love it. Argo was actually, I think, better than The Town, but also very stereotypical in many moments. I was... Not surprised at all by the end of the movie that this movie won the Oscar for Best Picture. It takes a historical topic, kind of very big controversial, not very touched on a whole lot with films, but it took that and then gave us like So cutbacks to like from bird's eye views and all of that. And just very heart-wrenching music. It had pictures of the people in real life in the credits. So by the end, I was just like, oh yeah, no wonder this movie won best picture. But it's got its merits. The opening scene of this movie is astounding. I, I think it's really good. Fits in with the times, I think, very well better than I think most movies do. It is a very political film and that's not always my cup of tea, but I really felt like this scene struck a really good political note and it was very powerful. And I was thinking, you know what? This could be an incredible movie that keeps up this quality. And it just kind of dragged a lot in the middle. I think the movie has some pacing problems I can't specifically identify, but it just dragged for me in certain moments. And there were some really just emotionally heart-wrenching moments that didn't work for me but were clearly meant to and and that was a problem for me i i I couldn't connect with those moments and the the movie kind of got a little worse worse because of it but it's got a lot of good stuff in it great actors ben affleck john goodman brian cranston they're all here and they're doing a good they're they're doing good together brian cranston is not being just awesome, like I normally would expect him to, but he's doing his job. John Goodman's always great. The directing by Ben Affleck is very good, I think. I think he's a very talented director. So I would say that he did a good job directing this movie, even though I do feel like it, it is a little lackluster at some points as far as pacing goes. Uh, but that's it for movies. I am re-watching Breaking Bad, this time with my dad. And so I watched the first episode of that movie, of that show with him. A couple of nights ago, and he liked it. So, and I told him it just keeps like getting better and better. So, I'm really excited to see where this continues to go because I love I love the first season, but for me, season four and five that's where it's at for me. So, I'll, I'm really excited where we get to those awesome, iconic Breaking Bad moments. What my dad's reaction Breaking is going to be moments, more like <laughs> right. So, I'm really excited to see those moments and how my dad's going to react to them but uh that's it so there you go that's what i've seen recently that's what we've all seen and uh let's go ahead and get into sense and sensibility so madeline this is i think certainly one of your favorite films i guess is a little spoiler this is the movie that you picked this is the one you wanted to talk about go ahead give us a little preview why this movie was something that you wanted to talk about so much
1: I think the main reason I chose this one is because it's in my top three Jane Austen films and I've seen at least one film for each of her novels. Um, But Sense and Sensibility is the first novel that she ever wrote Mm. and published. So I was just like, let's start at the very beginning.
0: Yeah.
1: And Sense and Sensibility, I've seen two versions of, and this is my favorite, this 1995 version. Um, And Patrick likes it. He likes the directing. He likes the acting. Um, So I just thought it would be a really good one to kind of introduce you to Jane Austen Mm -hmm. with. Yeah. And it gives you a lot of things to talk about. It gives us music. It gives us acting. It gives us strong characters, plot twists, um, beautiful scenery, and some A-list actors.
0: Yeah. The, the cast is really stacked here, and I was surprised when I pulled up the credits, but yeah, we're definitely going to talk about them. And so, Patrick, what is your experience with this movie? Madeline teased it a little bit, but it seems that you uh, had a little spoiler to the end of our episode, but um, it looks like you're already kind of, you have a good relationship with this movie so far.
2: Yeah, I really love the script of this movie. It cracks me up, and the performances obviously go a long, long way uh, in that direction as well, Um Makes me laugh, and the ending always gets me as well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even if I'm not, uh, that's not true. I really am going along with everything that goes on in this movie and enjoying it the whole time, pretty much. So, spoiler alert on my uh, recommendation. <laughs> or not. I'm going to enjoy reviewing this.
1: I think a huge part of it, too, is the writing, the way that they have taken the novel, adapted it for the screen, cut out the unnecessary parts, and then really placed some hilarious lines throughout the whole film. I heard Patrick laughing out loud several times um, while he was watching it. And it really just is a funny movie, like with great characters, strong performances, and the writing is just unparalleled.
2: Uh, (laughs) I I wouldn't say unparalleled, but it's very good.
1: I'm just saying, every time I heard a line from this movie, I was like, oh, wait, that's a classic. No, that's a classic. Just mm-hmm. everything they were saying was so snarky and snippy. Yeah, but which, I mean,
2: unparalleled, that's like a league of its own. Like nothing even comes close. Like the parallel, like, come on.
1: I think <laughs> at least one was, this one is the best written. The lines, the dialogue are the best written of any Jane Austen movie I've ever seen. And that fits her style, that fits the books. It fits who she was as an author and how her characters are supposed to be portrayed on the screen.
2: Yeah, oh, I agree. And by the way, for our audience, in case we didn't make this clear, Madeline and I are siblings. She's my sister. So if I'm giving her a hard time, that's why. Please, please I can't help it. It's just grandlin's. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah well for me going into this I haven't had a lot of experience with this genre which I would kind of put this right I've only had a little bit of experience I would kind of say Little Women the 2019 film has kind of been the most experience I've had of this style of film and sure. I liked Little Women not as much as I think everyone else did, but I did enjoy it. I enjoyed the performances, I enjoyed the directing, and so I hadn't had a lot of experience with this genre, with the exception of that. But I was, I was ready. I was kind of, ex- I was, I don't know if I was excited, but I was like, it's about time, you know. I I need to see what this is all about because I know Madeline's love for Jane Austen books, Jane Austen movie adaptations, and so I was like, well, I I, I need to get to this at some point. And I had this would just been sitting on my watches for a little while. This was the, the perfect excuse to go and sit down and see it, and so, in that way, I was ready to see this movie. And I was I was I kind of went in thinking this movie is just not going to be my style, what I enjoy. I mean, we just kind of finished wrapping up the type of style that I enjoy. That's you know that's David Fincher, and so. Going into this, I just had to be open. I had to be a lot more open than I normally am. It's been a while, really, for me when I just kind of had to jump into a movie that I haven't seen before. I had seen already every David Finch movie that we had talked about before we jumped on that retrospective. So this is one of the rare occasions where I'm coming in. I have not seen any of in, anything. I don't know anything about this movie. I had I know that Emma Thompson and Kate Winslet are in this, and I knew Jane Austen wrote it, but that's about as far as my knowledge went. And now and after this, we're going to be talking about a series that I've probably seen each movie at least like 12 times. So I am, I am kind of bridging the two here a little bit with a movie that I'm just not very familiar with. I just really for me, my, my best thought was to just go in with an open mind. And, and that's all really because I, I was not sure what I was going to get going in. And before we get into the actual movie, let's address the director here, we have Ang Lee, a director who I am mixed on a little bit. He directed The Hulk, uh, that, that, that 2002 movie that was just really weird and I didn't like. But he also directed Life of Pi, which I do enjoy. Very beautiful looking movie. And uh, I think his biggest claim to fame is Bruckbeck Mountain with Heath, with Heath Ledger and Jake Gyllenhaal, which a lot of people love. I haven't seen it but I I do know a lot of people love that movie. I also saw Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which had good directing, but I, I just was not into that story as much. So he he's a director, though, that I do respect as far as his, that he experiments a lot with, in some cases it works, and in some cases it, it fails. I think with the one that worked was Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, the one that failed was Jim Man with um, Will Smith, whatever the heck that was. And, People did not like that. I have not seen that one, but I know that was a big flop. People did not enjoy that movie. And so I I just kind of went in, kind of interested in seeing why he would tackle a Jane Austen novel because it just did not seem like it'd be something that he would tackle. And I really was interested in seeing what he would bring to the table. We've also got a stacked cast, Emma Thompson, Alan Rickman, Kate Winslet, Hugh Grant, four actors who, Emma Thompson, I'm not very familiar with, Alan Rickman, I just saw in Die Hard. Kate Winslet, I just saw this year in Carnage, which I uh, loved her and I thought she was really good in that movie. And also Hugh Grant, who I like in Paddington 2. <laughs> and that's about as far as my knowledge of him goes, but I love him in that movie. And I kind of feel like in Paddington do. he does a little riff. On his character here, I, I, just, I feel like a lot of his mannerisms are very similar, even though I feel like he's much more boastful in Paddington too, I definitely saw some similarities in his performance, but I, I was pretty excited to see these all four of these actors at work. We also have Umbridge here from the Harry Potter series, and that was, I, I was, did not expect her to show up in this movie, but I'll, we'll talk about her. i got a few things to say about her performance, but yeah, huge cast.
1: Or every masterpiece classic like film you've ever seen, she's in a lot of these British literary adaptations. What's her name?
2: I know her. Um, name. she's it's... married
1: to the guy who plays Mr. Carson in Downton Abbey.
2: He's in every Jane Austen movie without fail, always, <laughs> always a minor character, like just major enough to notice. But otherwise, she's a good actor. Her name so.
1: is Imelda Staunton,
2: yeah. That's why I'm married to
1: Jim Carter, who plays Mr. Carson in Downton Abbey. She's in almost every BBC thing I've ever seen.
2: <laughs> Quite a lot.
0: Do you guys have any thoughts on this cast? Kate Winslet, Alan Rickman, Emma Thompson, Hugh Grant.
2: I think the cast kind of drives the film here. I mean, other than <clears> the, <throat> the writing, I mean, like you said, Angley's direction is kind of a mixed bag. For me, this one is a little bit of an outlier in a good way um, for his filmography. And I think it's because the material is good and the, act the cast he has is great. Probably better than any other cast in maybe besides Brokeback Mountain um, mm-hmm. that you listed. So I think, yeah, I'm a fan of the cast.
1: The cast is star-studded, but what I love most about the cast is that I saw this movie as a young child, and it was the first movie with Emma Thompson I'd ever seen. It was the Mm. first movie with any of these actors that I'd ever seen, so I know them as these characters. This was the first movie that I saw these people in, and so whenever I'm watching something else, I'm like, oh, that's, you know... Miss Dashwood from Sense and Sensibility, mm-hmm. not oh, that's Emma Thompson. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think my first Emma Thompson movie was like one one Mid and Black 3. <laughs> I'm sure she killed it. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and get into the movie. We, we start off and it's kind of a lot like what I was expecting. And it is, it is very dramatic, which was what I was expecting. Like I said, what I was expecting going in. But when we get to these scenes here, we're seeing a lot of how the movie's going, how it's running. We're getting introduced to the family. I do, I think this is a really sought introduction to the movie with the opening, the death of the father, all of that. I do, I do like it so far. It, it is very simplistic for me so far, but I, I do like it. I think it's, it is very straightforward. Though I do have to remember, a lot of names here It's I'm kind of I'm taking notes. I've got to remember all these names here. And that was one of the biggest challenges for me as far as like note taking, getting everything down was we got a lot of names here and I got confused a couple of times with them. So I am kind of going ahead and, and taking notes here. But I think this, this movie starts off on a, a pretty solid note when we get to like the dinner conversation at the first of the movie, that was something that I did. I really enjoyed that scene. I think it, it is the dramatic thing that I was expecting, very similar to something like Little Women, but I was enjoying it. And I think it worked as a, a, a really solid scene. And I'm already, you know, enjoying the performances and things like that. And especially Emma Thompson's definitely the one who stuck out to me the most uh, on this, as this movie's going on, because we don't get a lot of Kate Winslet in the beginning, I feel we're really focusing the most on Emma Thompson, because I do think she's the main character of the movie.
2: Yeah, agreed. Uh, One thing I really like about the beginning is like, especially with the first scene, it seems like a different movie than what we actually get. Like the first scene is very serious, you know, takes itself um, very almost dourly. Like he's Mm -hmm. literally a man on his deathbed. This guy's coming in, you know, he's giving him his like his final wishes and instructions. It's like, wow, this is going to be a downer. And then (laughs) like in the very next scene, all of those expectations are turned completely in the opposite direction 180 degrees and it's like that's where I start enjoying the movie is in the little uh um the montage from like carriage ride to carriage ride with all the little details of their conversation and in a very uh backhanded way how she kind of like gyps these people out of their whole inheritance
0: well I love that little sequence that was really good
2: yeah, it sets up those characters specifically well, and it sets up like the um, emotional attachment to
0: the main characters before we even see them on screen. Which is, really- mm-hmm. yeah, I do love that we don't start off with the family. That was something that I felt this that was very different about the opening. of This movie, normally, we would like get this through a letter or something like that. Oh, you just did you didn't get a whole lot of inheritance. You're, you're uh, gonna get kicked out of your home basically. And I think that the fact that. We start out with this couple here who I just kind of referred to as the douche couple. Like, that was basically how I referred to them in all my notes. I just thought these guys were <laughs> awful, particularly the wife. She inf- she definitely brought it up. Oh, her name of-
1: is Fanny, by the way, for yes. the record. Which, a is a, which is <laughs> a great name for such an ugly character.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I thought this was an, uh, just an awful person. I could not stand her in any scene she was in. But I did I did love the performance that was given here. I think it was like Harriet Walter or something like that. Yeah, Harriet Walter. She does a really just a she's chewing on the scenery, I think, every time. She's so evil. I I I thought she was gonna grow a mustache like halfway through the movie. Like she is just gonna sprout at some point. I don't know when, but I she was really handing up the scenery. I do love this this whole opening sequence with the um that we're not meeting the family first and we're meeting, as I've heard here, the douche couple. And I I really did like the, I am seeing some of the comedy. I didn't think it's as strong as I think most of it would be as, as quite as what I was expecting. Even though I do, there were that some chuckles for me, but anytime we've got Fanny here, I, I really just love it. Every scene. But what did you think about this whole introduction here, Madeline?
1: I really, really love the way that Jane Austen and obviously Emma Thompson and Ang Lee set up Mm -hmm. this whole story to be told because you are focusing in that first scene with the deathbed, you're focusing on the men, you're focusing on those characters because they're the ones who kind of determine where the money goes. They're the ones who get to inherit. And Mm -hmm. we learn in the opening lines that the women can't inherit. And that is why they are going to get married. That's why they're moved to a cottage. It sets up the rest of the movie to basically follow through on the expectations of women Mm -hmm. in the early 1800s. Um, Austin wrote this around 1815. So she was looking at the early 1800s and also the late 1700s. And the expectation on women was they were going to marry. But these women don't even have a dowry. So there's not even an incentive for someone to marry them because their father left them no money. And then, of course, Fanny talks her husband, John Dashwood, out of giving them anything. And she has she inherits their whole house. She inherits their home, their childhood, their silver, their servants, everything, and leaves them with nothing. Mm -hmm. because she's so selfish
2: yeah there's definitely social commentary in here from the very beginning and it comes up a couple times throughout the movie but the idea of the class system providing a space for these terrible people like you say Mm -hmm. like she is a terrible person and but her snobbishness is warranted and even encouraged by her society like she is better than the dashwood right, family, the Dashwood family? She's better than the Dashwood family because she is wealthy, because she's already yeah. married. She's Higher up the social ladder and she knows it and they know it. And that is a pretty funny dynamic, but I mean, it's got a serious undertone as well.
1: And if you compare it to the book, Fanny also has a lot of motivation to keep the estate intact, to keep as much money as possible because she has a son. Um, You don't see that in this movie version because they cut it for simplicity. Mm -hmm. But in the book and in the other version of Sense and Sensibility, she has a son who's like eight years old-ish. And so he's the one who's going to inherit Norland. He's the one who's going to inherit all of the money.
0: That makes sense. But I think it just adds so much more to the comedic evilness that this character has. (laughs) That she's just doing this for no reason besides selfishness and so that, that I agree I think <laughs> that decision adds so much more to the satire of the movie and I agree with a lot of y'all's comments I think what the, the for me one of the best things this movie has going for it and I guess for I'm, I'm gonna guess most Jane Austen books is is the way that and especially this one is the way that they deal that she deals with um the w- women politics and the class structure all of that worked out I think for me really well here I think it's one of the best things this movie has going for it and it's done, I think, in a, and it, it just in almost a simplistic way, like this is how things are. And that's how these women are going to have to overcome that. And not a very in your face way. It's just, they're going to have to accept this and we're going to move on. We're going to have to just deal with it and overcome this problem. And that for me was, is just so much more subtle than a lot of the other uh, movies that would deal with something like this. There was, would be so much more blanch and blunt and all of that and i think that the way this that angley jane austen emma thompson i think the way they're dealing with this is is really well and I, i do like it i think that it's one of the like i said it's one of the strongest things this movie is going for it and pretty soon we meet hugh grant who i think we definitely need to talk about he shows up pretty quickly in the movie and i think hugh grant gives one of the most uh comedic performances of the, the main four here. I, I think, just because I think Hugh Grant has a lot of comedy in most of his performances, but I I really like Hugh Grant in this movie. I think he hits the emotional parts of this character really well, but also gives just some great likability and, and comedic uh, touches to the character that I think make him much more enjoyable. He's not in this movie as much as I expect him to be. He's basically in the beginning and in the end, and I think that's kind of a cool way to style the movie. I was also thinking of Little Women, of one uh, of uh, whatever her faces, main character's name, uh, Joe. I, her uh, love interest in that movie, Raya right, is in the beginning of the movie and then shows up at the end. And that's kind of how I was thinking of Hugh Grant in this movie. And I, I like it when he's getting along with the family and all that and the, uh, and the sisters just kind of sneering in the background all the all the Hugh Grant stuff I'm completely with this movie and I'm kind of like hey maybe maybe this isn't gonna be so bad maybe I'm just really gonna like it because I really am loving the quality of this movie so far and its style it is. Uh, it hits a very serious tone in moments, but also a very lighthearted tone, and that's a, a ratio that I think Amy Lee and Emma Thompson hit really well. With this movie is that there is some some great lightness to this movie, but also some very serious and dark moments. This movie going to have, and I am enjoying the lightness and seriousness that this movie's having so far.
2: Uh, I think I just a dry British sense of humor coming out, like even in the most serious scenes there's there's usually something that's kind of funny but um yeah this this is this movie is definitely more subtle with its themes like uh Eleanor Dashwood isn't going around like murdering date rapists or anything like (laughs) the the uh with promising young woman um right isn't that what that's about that's what I've heard anyway I haven't seen it (laughs) True. It's. It seems like we've lost a little bit of subtlety when discussing yes. these issues. Is all I'm saying, and I think um, the that I. That's what I love about this movie is the subtlety in most scenes. Mm-hmm.
1: I'd say that Hugh Grant's character um, of Edward is very subtle. Um, honestly, he comes across as kind of bland to me sometimes. Yes. And. He's just very mellow and he's supposed to be like that. That's Mm -hmm. his character. Um, But I also like that he is always used as a contrast or a foil for Fanny Dashwood, his sister. Mm -hmm. They are complete opposites in their level of compassion. And I love the scene between him and Fanny in the stairwell where she's talking about how selfish Marianne is and how all the sisters are spoiled Mm -hmm. and then says, my dear Fanny, they've just lost their father. Basically, like, how can you not see what I see and how Mm -hmm. can you not be more compassionate to your sisters-in-law or half sisters-in-law? And so you see right from the beginning how compassionate he is. And it also sets us up later on for um, seeing Eleanor as sense and Marianne as as sensibility. You mm-hmm. see the contrast there, be- once Edward enters the scene, you see the difference between those two sisters, which is really cool.
2: Uh, Eleanor was since instance.
1: Well, if we're going to talk about that now, <laughs> I, <laughs> I will <laughs> we'll OK, later,
2: but...
1: <laughs> I have lots of thoughts on that. So thought... we will come back to the symbolism of the movie. <laughs> I like uh,
2: I like Hugh Grant's little stutter.
1: It, it's very I, good. I found
2: that very endearing.
1: This is also the part where Eleanor is crying and he hands her the handkerchief
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I'm it has in. it has his initials on it. And every time I see that part, I'm like, don't do it. Don't get rid of the <laughs> stinking handkerchief. Um, because obviously that comes up later with his- Steel. Lucy Steele. His Lucy Steele, his five year long betrothed, um, And she has the same stitched with his initials, handkerchief that he gives Eleanor. And it just, it makes me so mad at him. And I know (laughs) it's not really his fault, but it's also kind of his fault for getting engaged so young when he wasn't mature enough. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I get really riled up over that. And it's just a (laughs) handkerchief, but like in Jane Austen world, that's a big deal. You know, it has Mm -hmm. his initials on it wants her to keep it it's you know right communicating some level of interest honestly
2: i think sense and sensibility is what you need to appreciate this movie at the deepest level
0: sensibility be <laughs> one of the qualities that i lack and we'll get to that but we'll see for me <laughs> one of the things here is what you pointed out madeline that I think what you said, Hugh Grant—he, it's sort of his fault, and it's sort of not, and that's one of the things I think you, can be applied to every character in this movie, and that's cool. I, I like that Emma Thompson and Jane Austen, and Angley have made that decision that we have some, I think some. I don't know if necessarily just really complex characters, but there's one thing that they that they have that is kind of tearing them apart that is their fault, but isn't, and that was I, that, I think is a good detail to have at each character here. And, you know, I really want to talk about Kate Winslet in this movie, just right now, off the bat, because I think Kate Winslet's very talented. I haven't seen her in anything but Carnage, but she's really good in that movie, everyone in that movie was. And I think she is good in this movie, but I hate her character. I I absolutely hate Marianne. And I'm just, it's the first just thing I have on this movie is that I just cannot go with this character. This character, I, I hate characters like this in movies. Anytime <laughs> a character like this pops up, that is just so love struck by this, when um, uh, Willie Garful or whatever his name is comes up, I just think that. For me, when Hugh Grant shows up, it's a true testament to to each of these characters, how they react to Hugh Grant's mannerisms here, because that's a big one, I think, that we see the moment where Hugh Grant is reading to uh, in front of Kate Winslet, and she's just scolding him like, "You have passion when you're reading." And that was that was just a moment. Where I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna have problems with this character because for me, she's <laughs> just very like snobbish and pretentious." And it's, she's kind of the representation of what I was afraid about this movie going in, even though I do think she she does a good job. But when it when she is like, so for me, when she's later, she's got her broken heart and all of that. Like for me, that was just. For me, a spoiler for my review, that was just kind of some rough stuff for, to get into because I just felt she was really just wishy-washy. And I wasn't going along with that whole, even though I think Kate Winslet is doing a good job. And I think this character's moments where I, I really like her, for me, I, I, for the most part, her attitude and I, I must say selfishness quite honestly. And I guess this is the type of person that I am. And I think you could say that in your view uh, for a big portion of this movie, it's just the type of person that you are the way you bounce off to certain characters. For me, I just could not go with Marianne at all, but I think, I don't know if I'm going to learn that because I do think that this movie, a big part of it is just your taste and character. And for me, Marianne was just a big point of contention that I had of this movie, even though I don't think she's just awful I, I don't like her characteristics a whole lot.
1: <laughs> That's so interesting because I've never disliked her character. I've always thought of her as younger than Eleanor, so I don't expect her to be as mature. I've always seen her as the emotional one because she yes. does represent ability and she is looking for more passionate things in her partner. She's looking for more romance, more of that spark, that's kind of what she goes for is the feeling. Whereas Eleanor is really looking for the passionate reading and the passionate displays of love. Um, But I think that's just who Marianne is. And Mm -hmm. I think we have more for Marianne because in this film we're seeing her through Eleanor's eyes because like you said, Eleanor is the main character. And because Marianne is her sister, she loves her sister and she's trying to take care of her throughout the movie. Um, And so I think throughout the film, you can develop some compassion for Marianne because you're seeing her through Eleanor's eyes and you're recognizing that these sisters are very different.
2: Mm -hmm. I would add that Marianne has the biggest arc of the film. Everyone else honestly kind of stays the same throughout, but she comes a long way. I believe like it struck me in the final scene or close to the final scene when, what is his name, Edward? Okay. Yeah, when Edward comes back to like finally propose, her countenance, like the way she interacts within the room, the, the uh, level of awareness she has mm-hmm. socially, very different from the beginning of the film, which is why I don't think she's the sensibility. I think personally, I find Eleanor to be sense and sensibility. And I think the message of the film is that they are inseparable on a certain level. Mm-hmm. I think the reason why um, Kate Winslet's character, it, it, it gets on people's nerves is because she's constantly stepping on toes throughout the film. Like yes. she's ignoring <laughs> Colonel Brandon. Right, she's ignoring oh, Marianne? Colonel Brandon. Marianne, she's Kate Winslet. She's ignoring Colonel Brandon, you know. She's, she's doing all these things. She's only concerned about herself and her own story with Willoughby basically and she doesn't have the sense that comes with sensibility. I feel like mm-hmm. I feel that Eleanor has this, which I'm not even confident about the the definition of sensibility. But I take it's it in emotional. right. But I take it intuitively as like being more emotionally sensitive. Yes, which does not. I have the definition not...
0: pulled up. We're having this battle okay, about cool. the title. I pulled it up. Sensibility, a person's delicate sensitivity that makes them readily offended or shocked. So I think that has a lot to do with someone's emotional reactions to to being shocked and wild. And so I do get what you're saying, Patrick.
2: Yeah, and I would say that I think Eleanor has more sensibility by that definition because she's not looking for the passion. She's not looking for the the over-the-top. She's not looking for the dramatic because... Her sensibility is such that she is affected by even the smallest of things. And she knows that even the smallest of things are carry heavy weight. Like her silence for a long portion of this movie is one of the most emotionally affecting uh, things that happen to her character. And it's not because she's like throwing a fit or like crying because, you know, Willoughby left her or whatever. She Mm -hmm. is having to be silent on something that she would rather not. And that is sensible and it shows her sensitivity. And that's why I think she embodies both attributes. I think Marianne becomes more sensible and sensitive throughout the movie, but I think she starts out pretty lacking in both areas.
1: I would say that at the beginning of the film and at the beginning of the story in whatever format it's being told, um, Eleanor reacts to her father's death with a lot of sense. She's very matter of fact. She's the one who's gonna find the cottage. She's the one who's gonna take care of her mom. It's Mm -hmm. like her natural go-to instinct. It's her personality really is to focus on the logic of the situation. What do we need to do next? And over the course of the film, she develops more of that sensibility, more of that getting in touch with her emotions and realizing that she can react to things and that that's okay to have an emotional response because she has to hold it in over mm-hmm. the course of the movie that Edward's engaged to someone else. Right. and then. Kate Winslet's character, Marianne, at the very beginning is very emotional. All she's doing is playing sad songs. She gets very excited when she meets Willoughby. All she wants is like for her sister to be happy and for her to be happy and like find someone romantic. And she develops some depth, like Patrick said, over the course of the movie because she has a character arc. And Willoughby jilting her halfway through the movie is basically the breaking point where she gets physically sick because her emotions are taking over so much and because she was out in the rain all night and by the end of the movie she's developed a little bit more maturity a little bit more awareness of the world and she's not going to react as quickly as she does at the beginning she has more emotional sensitivity but she also has more sense because she's learned from Eleanor and she, she says that explicitly at the end of the movie she's mm-hmm. like this is what I've learned from you, Eleanor this is what like I don't compare my what does she say I don't compare my conduct with his with his or with what it should have been. I don't know what she says but she says I compare my conduct with yours Eleanor right. I compare it with what it should have been which is your mm-hmm. conduct and so by the end of the movie, they meet in the middle and they're about 50% yeah. sense, 50% ability <laughs> each.
0: I would say. I think Eleanor has sense all the time. And she is, yeah, she's kind of the one who I connected with the most out of the two. I think people will go, it's kind of a team cap or team Man, you know, which way you're going to go. And I, I'm team yes. Eleanor. I am always Yay. on Eleanor's <laughs> side. I wish that Caitlin that would get off her back, quit making fun of her, because it got me real annoyed, quite frankly, because Eleanor was always right. I just like I, I I just think she is. I don't think she makes a, any massive mistake, even if she could show more emotion in certain instances, probably true. But I think that she's she for me, she's the one who is always the, you know the voice of sense, right? And I think whichever way you're gonna go with uh, what this title means. There's no doubt that Eleanor has more sense than Kate Winslet does. And so that's, I think that is definitely a big part of the title and I guess it's, like I said, it's a it's a part of character, I think, uh, in your taste and character. Uh, but I went with Eleanor the most out of the two and, and she's kind of the one who I connected with the most. And let's move on to a certain point here where let's meet Alan Rickman, and I believe this this couple thing that they're gonna say is the Jennings, right, Mister. Mrs. Jennings, and Mrs. Jennings. I guess this is this is I I could see some uh, comedicness in this character. I I think I see some comedy, but I'm also I'm also annoyed. I'm also. I wish she would go away, like, really. I—I I, For me, she's kind of like the Jar Jar of this movie. She just keeps popping up. She's supposed to be. I get it. I get it. I think it is a detriment to the enjoyment of this movie. Very similar to Jar Jar, was meant for entertainment. She is too. But for me, it is a detriment to this movie because I wish I could enjoy these emotional moments. But she comes in and it's like a bathos right i believe that's what they called where you're going for like this scene of emotion and you you cut it off with a joke and that's kind of what i feel the character of mrs jennings does I, I enjoyed her when she's just like smacking her lips. Like every time she's eating, she's just biting into it. There's a lot of comedicness I found with this character. It's just the way she's eating. But for me, it, it got old at a certain point. I was just kind of tired of it. I wish I could enjoy these emotional moments, but she keeps popping up and she's kind of ruining a, a, a big portion of enjoyment I could have had from these emotional moments because she's just hogging at the screen, literally and figuratively.
2: I like both of the Jennings in the sense that they're both too old to care as much about the social conventions as all of the other characters do and yeah like it gets on people's nerves and we hear that from the characters um we're sharing in that as the audience it's not a detriment to my enjoyment of the movie though because I do find the humor in it and I know people like this and I find the humor in them as well and that's just like I think that's just the way life goes. Uh, <laughs> and I, this kind of reminds me of what you were saying earlier about um, the complexity of the characters, which I agree that they're not the most complex characters ever conceived, but I think that their complexity is never more or less than realistic. All of these characters yes. seem like they step right out of 21st century life into the, what is this, the 18th, 19th century, 19th century and, yeah. and took on the lingo and like ran with it. But this could be set in modern day, I feel like. And yes. a lot of the characters would be pretty much the same, just they would speak differently. Um, so I I can appreciate the character without um, being too turned off by uh, the personality. I also think the comparison to Jar Jar being a little extreme. No, it's That's not. <laughs> it.
1: Would she? Jennings is a minor character, so she doesn't bother me. I totally agree with Patrick. We all know someone like mm. Mrs. Jennings. See, she's such a realistic character, if a little bit over dramatized for the sake of Brian. the screen. But not by, <laughs> like, not by much. We all know someone who's really nosy and up yes. in our business, especially like as you like go off to college or like become a young adult. Like all people try to do is marry you off, or all people try to do is like ask, you know, if you're seeing anybody. And that's right. that's who Miss Jennings is, and she doesn't mean any harm by it. She's just a dumb character. <laughs> and- <laughs> not dumb. <laughs> She's no, just focused on she is the wrong idiot. things in life. <laughs>
2: yes. So, okay. Y'all are way she's, too hypercritical. If
1: she's painful, it's because Jane Austen wrote her to be that way. And she's supposed to be the annoying older lady who's trying to marry off these girls and the girls don't want any part with it. And it does mess up the emotional moments. Have you ever had like an emotional moment in your life where like someone swooped in and like asked you an annoying question? You're like, I was trying to have a moment here, you know, or I was trying to think through something or figure out some part of my life. And then you just came in and asked all these annoying questions. Like, I think you feel some of Eleanor and Marianne's pain in this because you get annoyed by the character as much as they're annoyed by it. Well, here's my I rebuttal to that. I think personally
2: these, well, huh. real quick, I think these characters are like a test for the main two, right? And Marianne is very vocal about her annoyance. Uh, she's like, are we ever gonna get a moment's peace from these people? Eleanor recognizes that they're being very hospitable by having them on this house they're really kind people, they have their best interests at heart. And yeah, like she's not, she's aware that they're annoying and she feels that too, but she can weigh everything in the balance. And I think that shows some of her good sense.
0: Yeah, what I would say as a rebuttal is, even though this character is probably realistic, if it damages my enjoyment of the movie, then for me, that's a problem, realistic or not. I, I would rather, Get her out of here. So I, okay, I'll, I'll just look a little spoiler. I didn't get close to, to any really like sorrow or emotion in this movie. I, I just didn't. And a huge part of that, I feel like the moment where she just like really like when the moment where um, Emma Thompson goes to see Kate Winslet in bed and they're like, they're having this moment. And then she just pops up and her face is in the screen. Mr. Jennings is all up on the scene camera. so funny. No, it. I, that, that was the so moment. Funny. But that was the moment I needed to feel something because I wasn't up until does that. Does she point. like
2: olives? That's the real question.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> does Marianne like olives? Oh, it's, it's all, I, I it, it was a real damage to the movie for me. that, And especially when we get, uh, uh, I'm um, struggling on the name here, I'll just go ahead and say who uh, Grant's fiance. Cause she's a character that really annoyed me as well. And that, I see Lucy that- Steele. And yes, Lucy yeah. Steele. And that was a, another character who I feel like fits Madeline's little example here that could be realistic. And we've probably met people very similar to Lucy Steele, but I think like you mesh these two together because i can't take two of them on screen at the same time and then when we get umbridge coming in here too much because now when jennings is gone and steel is gone umbridge is there and she's annoying too i can't take three annoying characters i just can't and they're here and they're really damaging i think what should be some really mournful reflective moments but they're just certainly I want them to shut up because they're just constantly talking and I I want to sit with this moment without them having to blabber on and on because I don't get a moment to breathe and feel this emotion these three characters damage the emotion that I wanted to feel in this movie I just couldn't feel it because they're coming here and they won't shut up
2: I think Hugh Laurie is a bit of a sugar for this pill that you're talking about I love his Hugh character. Laurie
1: is hilarious with his newspaper scene. <laughs> okay. Oh my
0: Lord. Palmer. Okay, can we talk about Palmer? He is the the best part of this movie. Anytime Palmer is on screen. I love this movie. Palmer <laughs> is Hugh Laurie. Yeah. Just yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. He's he's great. Okay. I, I love it. Anytime he's on screen, the newspaper, all of it. Just his little little lines, it's incredible. It, it's equipped. <laughs> he does. He brings into the comedy without having to ruin every emotional moment and just blabber on. He's the type of comedy that I enjoyed the most. This movie, I loved it. Anytime he was on him screen, from um, oh my god, not no, not particularly. No, but I'm not surprised. He was even- like,
2: yeah, I think it was like season three. He's the it's in like the 18th century, I think, when the uh, Blackadder is like the aide to this duke or whatever. He's the duke.
0: Oh yeah, 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 yeah! yeah. I know what you're talking about now. <laughs> yeah. yes. I got. It's like
2: the opposite character. It's yeah. really, it's a really funny transformation.
0: I love him <laughs> in this movie. He is, I'm gonna, he's my favorite character. I just love it. He, what he's, he's having is the emotional limits too. When he's walking off to the carriage, we be okay. Even those, those emotional moments, those are what worked for me because he brings in a different type of awkward quality, of the movie that just for me worked a whole lot better than I guess Jennings, even though there's also probably a lot of characters like Palmer who are just who just kind of a downer. <laughs> you know, in every scene, they just are just, they won't say anything, they're just absolute downers. But yeah, Hugh Laurie, Mr. Palmer, he's He's incredible. Right. Definitely my favorite character out of this whole movie.
2: I think he's another example in the film of sense walking hand in hand with sensibility. Mm-hmm. As opposed to the characters y'all find so annoying. Which, by the way, I'm, I'm in defense of Mrs. Jennings. You can have the other two. They're annoying as all heck. But Mrs. Jennings, I think, is a sweet lady. She has her best interests at heart. She's a little bit bored. She doesn't really care about, like ruffling feathers or getting on people's nerves. And I kind of have a grudging respect for her for that. And I enjoy her moments on screen. The other two, yeah, they're awful. I could take (laughs) them or leave. They're necessary. One of them is necessary for the story. One of them is not.
1: Lucy Steele is necessary for the story. So can we talk about her? Because I know (laughs) she gets on your nerves, but that aside, is she, and I ask myself this every time I read the book or see any of the movie adaptations, Is she ignorant and has no idea that Eleanor has fallen for Edward? Or is she malevolent and jealous? And is Mm. she planting things in Eleanor's head? Is she telling Eleanor about the engagement so that Eleanor will back off? Because that is a thing that women and girls will do is like mark off their territory (laughs) kind of. And I see... In this movie, I believe that she is being jealous and I believe that she is intentionally telling Eleanor to back off. You peed on that tree. <laughs> Marking her territory.
0: <laughs> okay, so I think- What do you think? Okay, the scene for me that said that she is just ignorant is the scene where she tells Fanny that she's engaged to Hugh Grant that is the moment where I realize this character is too dumb to have come up with something that kind of, to act that good or anything like that, to to put on that type of performance, because that is a stupid, arrogant and just dumb thing to do. And that she does it, which is another wonderful scene for Fanny. She is awesome in that scene. And when she does that, for me, it just, for me that shows that she just doesn't have the brain functions to uh, manipulate or have any kind of like pee on the tree as uh, Patrick so beautifully put it I don't think that she's capable of doing that really because she just doesn't have the brains to do it but I think that is a good reading to the character that I think if you didn't have that scene with Fanny that she would absolutely come off as a mid-11 character because I thought of her that way in many moments but when she tells Fanny that she's engaged to Hugh Grant that that cut it for me because I don't think that if she was smart and was trying to put on some sort of show here and uh, pee on the tree then she would not have done that because that's just a dumb thing to do
2: Here's, here's my counter okay she is peeing on the tree but not consciously because she knows that Eleanor and him have a thing she is just a tree peer Like Madeline was saying, she's just one of those women that marks her territory regardless. She says in one of the scenes in the carriage that she's insanely jealous. She sees, she's heard about this girl that's like such a great catch. She goes to her, she seeks her out and intentionally she tells her that this guy is taken, he's mine. I'm letting you in on this as a friend.
1: He strikes up a friendship with her. There's malevolence
2: there, even though she's not, like you said, smart enough to... Be aware of the full implications of what she's doing and saying. She still is subconsciously marking her territory, like Madeline's saying. So I kind of, I'm, I'm going to ride the
0: middle ground between you, your be two
2: easy. perspectives.
0: You know, yeah. I'll go with you. I'm it over. I'm Team Patrick because I think that's a, <laughs> that's a good take. I I I'm completely. Well, go Madeline with that. was in the middle too
2: because she was yeah. posing the question. So we're all we're all we've all met in the middle.
1: Let's yeah, I, that's why every time I watch a movie or read the book, I think about that question because. Mm-hmm. Some things seem to indicate that she is jealous and marking her territory and then others are like she's just dumb. She has no idea Eleanor likes Edward.
0: Yeah, and okay, I, I, I think so. Yeah, I agree. I think that she's just dumb but being a malevolent in, in, in an ignorant way. So I agree. I, I, I think the character is definitely annoying, but that is a good reading into it, I think. Because she is, she is annoying. But I think this is a good type of annoying, though. I think there is something very intentional about that. And she's meant to get on your nerves. So I do go with it in that sense. Um, let's talk about Alan Rickman. Who we haven't talked about yet, but he's, he's like second build here in the cast. And I like Alan Rickman. I, I just saw him in Die Hard. I love him in the Harry Potter films, obviously. And he's I think he's good here. When he comes in and... Uh, Kate Winslet's playing the piano. That was uh, one of the most touching scenes for me of the whole movie because I I kind of knew uh, as soon as he showed up like oh yeah here's this is what's gonna happen you know I think this movie is kind of predictable mm-hmm. in many many ways but I do think that um, that, that that his this hit, his introduction when he sees Kate Winslet playing the piano that was touching I really liked that he also drops out of the movie for a little while comes back and. I think he's good in it about just about every scene he's in. There was one moment where he was like really depressed and it wasn't quite playing for me as much, but when he is with Kate Winslet and they're having a good time and then when he, most of the part when he's in just kind of, when he's really down and depressed. all of that worked for me. and I think that his introduction is definitely the highlight scene for him. Uh, I, I think Alan Rickman works really well in this movie. and he's obviously just an iconic actor of that voice. So I just kind of love him just for that.
1: The scene that you're thinking of when he's depressed is when he's like loading the gun or cleaning the gun. And he talks about, like, Marianne would never want me. Is that the scene you're talking about?
0: No, it's after. It's when um, Willoughby, what is it, Willoughby? Is that his name? Yes. When Willoughby has kind of claimed Kate Winslet. That's the scene for, uh, there's a scene afterwards. I'm not, I can't pinpoint it at this moment, but that was, for me, that was one of the scenes that, there was a scene in there that I just didn't hit with me in the right way. I think it, it's honestly, I think the one moment that Alan Rickman's voice just kind of de- took me out of the scene. It was just so much voice, just kind of like this. And I just couldn't, his dialogue was hard to make out. I was reading the subtitles and it was just, it was kind of a weird scene for me. It just did not play right.
1: Is that when he comes in and talks to Eleanor for a moment and then he's like, I wish your sister all the happiness in the world and Willoughby that he would endeavor to deserve her? Yes, that's it. Okay. That scene, I think you understand not in the moment, but in retrospect after another scene between Colonel Brandon and Eleanor, where he explains how his ward um, is pregnant because of Willoughby. Mm -hmm. And you understand that in the moment where Colonel Brandon comes across as really depressed and is wishing his, you know, his true love happiness with another man is because he knows who Willoughby truly is in that moment and Eleanor doesn't and Marianne doesn't. And so he has this knowledge but he's chosen not to impart it and he's choosing to give Willoughby a second chance. Um, But once Willoughby blows his second chance, Colonel Brandon comes back and tells Eleanor yeah, he hey, tells he his sister <laughs> yeah. that he's actually a terrible person. Right. He loved you. Yeah, he really <laughs> did love you, but he's actually a terrible person. <laughs> and I hope that that makes it easier in time. Mm-hmm. So, even though that is kind of a depressing scene, um, I think you understand it later when you understand the whole history of Colonel Brandon, because they give a lot of background. Um, you know, his war, his ward's mother used to be his love, but then she was given to his brother and, and there was all this drama um, exactly. in the past, which adds up to him being in his late thirties, early forties. And he's in love with this much younger character.
0: And so yeah, that's that why was something I had to get ready that. for, him. because once I realized Alan Rickman's going to have a thing with Kate Winslet, I had to like kind of reset my mind a little bit. Okay, we're in a different century. Things worked a little differently back then. This wouldn't be that controversial. But yeah, for me, I get what you're saying. And that is really, I think, very poetic and some good irony. But for me, the problem is just like, Rickman was really just muffled with his lines. and So for me, the delivery just wasn't as great. And like, uh, just it wasn't what I needed to be. But I do, I think the, the whole irony and the way it all comes full circle and all that, that for me, does work. And I do, I do like when we get that realization, even though I saw that there was nothing. I just kind of saw that coming. I'm like, I know Alan Rickman's going to somehow end up with Kate Winslet, but this guy will be coming in. I I know that he's just too perfect. So he's going to end up being (laughs) some, some sort of awful, arrogant guy. And, and I was right. You know, I didn't know how it was going to be, what the exact circumstances would be. But I, I I saw it coming. And that was kind of, when we're, we have all these, go, Kate okay, Winslet and Willoughby, they're so happy. For me, I was just kind of where I just like had to just sit back and like let the movie do its thing. Because for me, I just, I... It's kind it, of like a horror movie. Like, you know the killers
2: around the corner. Yeah. You know they should go down to the basement. But you're still enjoying watching them go because you know in the end, there's going to be some blood and gore and then maybe one of the characters will make it out alive. You know, it's... It, <laughs> similar uh it's a similar thing to sit through but it's still enjoyable in that way it's it, it doesn't i don't think it has to always shock you to engage you
0: for me i just for me the problem is i am just not engaged in those scenes with will and, and kate winslet I, i'm not it's not clicking with me and it, i think it's a big part of it is I, I really want to point out the dialogue and the way people talk in this movie because that for <laughs> me was a big problem When Willoughby comes in first scene to to see Marianne and they're reciting Shakespeare, that was what I was scared of going into this movie. That was what I did not. What to say? I doesn't like Shakespeare. Oh no! I've just never been able to get into Shakespeare dialogue, and it's it's not like yeah. that, that. I hate the beauty of Shakespeare, like poetry. It's just that for me, that we're building connections out of this, and we're reciting Shakespeare. That's how we're going to to find love in these two for a little bit, or is it fake love? Whatever. It just for me that. And it's not just that they the reciting Shakespeare. Kate that recites stuff a whole lot in this movie. And it was a groaner for me every time. Even, even though if it is something that I could appreciate as far as what she's actually saying, for me, that's just... It's one of the problems I have with, like, movies that are set in this era and that this is how they're going to make people talk. That And I don't know if they did talk back then. I don't think any of us are in a position to say this is how people talked back then because we weren't around in that era. But... For me, I, I just can't go. With some but the script to- is
2: derived from a book that was written during that era.
0: And I'll give you that, absolutely. And and even if that is true, it, for me, I'm not getting to connect with things out of it. And it's why I'm questioning whether I would enjoy Jane Austen's books. I'm not even saying if they're bad. Not I'm not even saying if people can enjoy this type of style. I mean, we're going to get to it in the end. Do you recommend this movie? It is if you like this movie. And for me... I'm not really la- enjoying this dialogue at certain moments, even though I am enjoying the beauty and poetry of it. In rare moments, there are just certain moments, and that I, I am just not clicking with it because it is—it's ju- so pristine and, and just so straight, it's so just straightforward, and it's kind of snobbish for me. I do
1: understand how it would be challenging to come in and listen to or watch a movie like this for the first time. The dialogue is very different from how we speak in 21st century America because it's 19th century England. So there's time involved, there's location involved, um, and it is derived from a book, like Patrick said, that was actually written in 1815. Mm -hmm. So I think when you write a contemporary movie like this, like Emma Thompson did, Um, You have to think about the context historically and how people did speak back then. And you also have to make it accessible for a 21st century audience. Um, And she has to strike a balance there in the writing, in the dialogue. Um, Staying true to the Jane Austen writing in the novel, but also making it understandable and not too strong of accents, not too strong of just the way they phrase things, you know. She chooses phrasing that's not so archaic that we can't understand it, um, but it's still like not how we speak today. And so it takes a lot of adjusting to, especially if you're coming from the context of other movies that aren't in this genre. But if you've watched this genre a lot, like I have, or from a young age, like I have, I think it's easier to understand. Everything that they're saying. But the first time that you watch a Jane Austen movie, I can totally understand being thrown off by the dialogue, being confused by what the characters are saying, or just being annoyed that they're speaking like that.
2: <laughs> For me, I, I like the dialogue, but let me explain why. I think it it is unlikely that everyone um, that was in this position at you know in the given time of the story would talk this well in many scenes. Yes. Um, it's very, it's um, very flowery and very, uh, there's, everyone in this movie has a really incredible grasp of the English language that I don't think like, most Americans today have, or probably most British people back then did either. But it reminds me of one of the greatest screenwriters <laughs> of all time who does a similar thing in his movies, the glorious Mr. Tarantino himself. No one in real life talks like Tarantino, has his characters talk in his movies, but he's using the English language. He's using it in a way that's lyrical, interesting, uh, emotional, impactful. I think Jane Austen does a very similar thing here, even though her style is coming from a completely different perspective that's far removed from Tarantino's. They have similar artistic, yeah, they, they take similar pleasure in the language. Tarantino takes pleasure in the language, maybe in a different way, but um, they they both enjoy that side of things. And I think
0: the enjoyment of that is vital to this movie. Yeah, and for me, it's, like I said, it comes down to a uh, thing of taste for me. And this is just not in my, in my area. And I, for me, I... I just want to say, I did not expect when I hopped onto this call that we would be making a Jane Austen and Quentin Tarantino um, comparison, but <laughs> well, I, I totally get to comparison at the same time. No one talks like the way they do in Jane Austen books. No one talks like the way they do it in Quentin Tarantino movies. And for me, like, when Quentin Tarantino does it, it, it for me... it's a part of a style that I just enjoy a lot more than I do the Jane Austen stuff. And for me, one of the big problems I have with this dialogue is what it means to the rest of the movie when we have, uh, I don't feel like there's a single moment in this movie where characters are actually like real with each other. Like they're actually like, for me it it all seems like it's part of this act. Like this is the way we have to behave because it's the part of the time that we're in. And this is proper manners. And I feel like in a in a, in a, like for what I was wanting, like one of the endings of this movie is where we're not being pristine or using fancy language, or not reciting Shakespeare. We're just real with each other, and like we hug each other, and it's like it's real, you know? Like there's actual like emotion there. We're not worrying about manners or anything else. We're just actually talking. American, bro. <laughs> I I don't I don't want to sound like awful and just like just 21st century America, but I just wanted someone to like, you know, like have a moment. And I feel like you could use this fancy dialogue and then break it and, and tear it all apart. And that's when characters are actually real with each other. And you could use that as as true emotion. But that when, when we get to Hugh Grant and, and when Hugh Grant shows up after we haven't seen him in about an hour and he shows up and we have that that weird, kind of awkward, like, cringy scene. I wanted, like, there to be some sort of real, like, emotion there. And and I just didn't feel like there was. And same when, at the very end of the movie, which I thought was touching in certain aspects, but at the same time, I just couldn't get over the fact that I wanted Hugh Grant and uh, Emma Thompson to be real with each other. And for me, that was a the problem. Like they were so consumed with these manners <laughs> that I just wasn't able to get any emotion out of it. I get that you guys are skeptical about what I'm saying, but for me, it's just, it's, its for me, it's just, it just wasn't something, it kept me from enjoying the movie in, in a whole, in a, in a big way, because I, I just didn't feel like, I felt like everyone was acting, quote unquote. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I see the value of what
2: looking- you it's definitely an American perspective, though. This is one of the most, like, famous British authors. Uh, it's one of the most famous British stories. It's
1: very British. <laughs> yeah, it, it they is. have
2: a different, they have a completely different perspective. And, but I, I, I still appreciate this perspective in this film. I think there is still emotion. I wouldn't say that there is no emotion. I wouldn't say they're all acting. They are... They're playing their social roles, much like Americans do say when they're at work or you know, when they're in certain kinds of public places where they have to perform a certain social role. We as Americans though have gotten used to breaking that down more when we're kind of with each other, but the British people didn't really do that. They kept themselves themselves more. They played their social roles in all social situations, not just selective ones. But the emotion is still there. There's still human beings. And I think the performances in this movie portray that. It's a little more subtle. Um, no one's really yelling a whole lot. Marianne is actually, I mean, we, she's the most vocal about her emotions. She breaks down the most. Um, and we were faulting her for that like 30 minutes ago. Also, the youngest daughter, which, by the way, great performance, I think. Margaret. Margaret, (laughs) uh, really great. I love her character. She's fun. She mentions this in The Carriage. She says that she likes the Jennings because they say what's on their mind. They talk about things. The Jennings, like I was saying earlier, they are too old to care about these social structures Mm -hmm. that, that you have a problem with. But that's why they're coming across as annoying. Like, that's why a lot of Americans are annoying to British people is because they don't care as much about these social structures and they are more willing to just kind of hash things out in the open. I think Margaret recognizes this as a child, you know, from the mouth of babes. And uh, she points it out in the movie, which is a pretty funny nod from Mm -hmm. a British author about British culture, which to me kind of like assuages. Assuages the whole situation. Is that' the correct pronunciation? I don't know. It's a really great word for what I'm sounds
0: trying great. to say, but totally I don't know read it. To it, right. it sounds awesome. I, I can't say, confirm it.
1: <laughs> yes I would say you used it better than I could have um, about how we always look forward to this scene because Edward, we think he's engaged, and then we find out he's not at the same time that Eleanor finds out that he's not. And when that happens, all social rules like go down the toilet <laughs> and she breaks down sobbing mm-hmm. in front of him. Which it's is also
2: not pretty sobs, like.
1: It's not pretty sobs. <laughs> it is yes. gross. I have been holding <laughs> on emotion for a for a year, like really heavy weird. sobbing, weeping. For mm-hmm. everything she thought she couldn't have that she can now have and she realizes why he's come and she realizes that lucy's not going to get in the way of it after all she had to endure from lucy's fake friendship and there's so much relief in this scene it's like mm-hmm. a release when she starts crying it's like there's a balloon and then pop all of this like water floods out and it's it's her crying, but it's also the emotional tension of the movie that's been building, just releasing. And you're you're like, everything is gonna be okay. Mm -hmm. And we laugh so hard at her crying, not because it's not well done, but because it is so dramatic. And Uh if you've ever seen a girl or even a guy (laughs) in a very, very heavy emotional situation, that is how people actually Mm -hmm. cry. That is so realistic to things that even I can relate to. Like I can relate to sobbing that hard in front of my brother, in front of my parents, in front of a friend, um, just because, you know, girls let let things build up. And then we just have this huge emotional release. We're not crying about Mm -hmm. one thing, we're crying about all of these things added up together and It's such a beautiful scene because then it's not only the sisters that have this connection now, it's she and Edward are able to finally express their feelings for each other, which they've had to, like you said, socially hold back the whole movie.
2: Yeah, in this scene, I was like laughing my butt off. At the same time, there were tears like right behind my eyelids and they were like, let us out, let us out. And I was like, no, I'm a man. But, <laughs> um, but I was enjoying it. Like I was enjoying the emotional release of the movie. Like Madeline said, it is like this balloon popping. Really, like it's explosive. But you had to, you had to go through all the suspense of the balloon flow, slowly filling up for that release to really matter. Mm-hmm. And I think the movie does it pretty well. Also, I just want to reiterate: Emma Thompson is like one of the greatest actors. Of all time, in Your my acting opinion. is so and
1: subtle throughout is, the whole film, yeah. and then she just breaks down crying, and you're like, "Wow, she's an incredible actress." Mm-hmm. Like the subtle facial expressions, the nods, the social awareness she has, and then at the very end, she just breaks down, and it is so perfect for her yeah. character. The
2: whole thing is a masterclass from um, Thompson.
0: I, yeah, I think she kills it here. And you're right. The, the ending for me is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. It works really well. It's the closest I got to emotional, even though I didn't get there, just because I've had such a a, a strange relationship with this movie so far, enjoying bits and pieces of it. But I wanted to connect to this a whole lot more than I ended up connecting with. But yeah, Emma Thompson. It, it we. A lot of the times in movies, it, we get these just beautiful cries and they're not realistic. And Emma Thompson gives a realistic cry and it is ugly, but it's very well acted. I mean, you would actually think that somebody told her something. Uh, yeah, it's it just the little like the, sh- like the, the shuddering that she had. Th- that was really well done. It's definitely just the best part of, of, of the, the best moment of her performance for me. I, it killed it. Really good scene, Hugh Grant's doing a great job as well. It is, I think it is a very good scene. And I, I think it works. I, I think this is a, one of the scenes that truly does work as far as emotion goes. Even though I had been lacking at some of that and some of the stuff that I really had wanted. I know you guys disagree with me, but pre that scene, I had been lacking a lot of the emotion that I really did need to really have this and pay off a whole lot. But from an acting, directing and, uh, and writing, and just and all that combined, this scene is, I think, a really well done scene. Yeah,
2: that's pretty much the movie. There's mm-hmm. uh, the wedding scene, and then yeah. no,
1: the coins.
2: Also,
0: no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw that really coming. Specific.
1: That symbolizes that Colonel Brandon doesn't care about the money. Which is contrasting with how Willoughby gave Marianne up for an heiress for mm-hmm. money. And then Colonel Brandon's character is saying in the end, like, money doesn't matter, true love matters. And so I'm throwing these coins, and then of course you see Fanny and her husband reaching for the coins, even though they already have like all of the dash <laughs> money.
0: That was great. That and I'm just great. like,
1: you're still selfish. You grew no. You grew in no ways over the course of this.
0: <laughs> yeah, and we <laughs> see Willoughby in the background. <laughs> and I was like, get off yes. here. No one cares about you. Go away. <laughs> oh. I, I was sad. I was sad to see
2: Willoughby. I think that actor did a good job of portraying the regret that he feels. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it is kind of like, this is their day. Like, yeah, so, like yeah. why are you here? Um, but I, by the way, uh, Patrick Doyle did the soundtrack to this film.
1: Incredible. He's a
2: really great composer. And it it's not super noticeable until this wedding scene where everything just kind of comes to an emotional head. But I think just like the rest of the movie, it is... Subtly entwined throughout, and it's it's pretty great stuff. I, I, I heartily enjoy that as well.
0: The the score kind of washed over me. I'll be honest. I for me, it felt like just about any emotional like trying of the 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 tug the heartstrings type of score for me. Uh, it is. I, there's nothing wrong with it though. It, it's just for me. You know, we've been ta- we've talked <laughs> about a lot of movies so far. I've got a lot of ex- experience as far as scores go. I, I've heard a lot. And this one just, it didn't really grab me in in, in a massive way. It is isn't a bad score though. When it comes to, you know, really- Listen
2: again. (laughs) (laughs) Listen again, my friend, it's pretty good. When
0: when we do see Willoughby though, right, it is in his day, but at the same time, at the same, At the same time, you do see some of the great, the actor did do a good job. The Willoughby stuff, even though I was not enjoy it a whole lot, it's no fault of the actor. Like he was doing his best, I think. And I think he did a good job.
1: Real quick, I just want to say that in the book and the other film adaptation, there's this scene that Emma Thompson and Ang Lee had to cut. But there's a scene when Marianne is sick where Willoughby comes to the house she's staying at. And he basically tells Eleanor, that he really did love Marianne and that he wanted to be with her and that he's sorry. And Eleanor's like, what are you doing? You're a terrible person. You My sister's heart, get out of here. I wanted and that scene. Is just I wanted that. It is it is fantastic. You see Willoughby's regret. You see Eleanor's like, get out of here. You are not welcome here. And Marianne is sick throughout this whole scene and like, it's not in the room when this like moment goes down between Eleanor and Willoughby and if there was one mistake in this movie it was what it was that they cut that scene Uh,
2: (laughs) I I don't know I don't know if it would fit in this version I I, I, honestly I'm not just trying to be disagreeable but I don't know if I I think this Willoughby is he has regret, but he's a little bit too proud to really humble himself. That this way. Willoughby
1: just sits on a horse and watches the wedding from afar, and then rides. Yeah. off. maybe but it's
2: just because I've seen this movie without that scene that I feel that yeah. way about his character. Like that would definitely be very revealing about Willoughby. It's mm-hmm. it's not in line.
0: With- yeah, I think the silent Willoughby fits in better with his character, but I really want to see Emma Thompson just blow up on Willoughby because that was something I really wanted to see. <laughs> I feel like there's so many annoying characters. Watch, no much to do about up. nothing. <laughs> I, I just wanted to see someone just blow up on one of these annoying characters. And Willie wasn't really like, annoying, but we, when you got Mrs. Jennings and all of that. I just I needed someone to just, just shout and say how annoying one of these characters is. But if we to Watch point Emma. The-
2: <laughs> You'll be in <eating> your
0: <laughs> I might. I mean, I like Anya Taylor Joy. That might be I might actually see that might be the next Jane Austen. Movie. No, 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 no. No, not, not that not, Emma. Not, Emma. No, not that <laughs> Emma. No, the one with
1: Ramona Gayre. How you say her last name? And Johnny Lee Miller. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Love
2: it's, of my life. It's the movie. I, I only mention it because Emma does blow up on one of the classic annoying Jane Austen characters, and she regrets it. it. It's really ugly. Like it's the most uncomfortable scene in any Jane Austen movie. Like it's. Oh, That's forget. a really
1: good one. We're all going to make excited
2: <laughs> for
0: Emma. <laughs> 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 I would do it. But yeah, I think that, I, I, I guess that scene wouldn't fit in the Willoughby's character sense, but it, yeah, it would be nice to see Emma Thompson blow up on Willoughby because I needed that. At this point in the movie, I, mm-hmm. I really needed someone to shout. So Patrick, Madeline, do you recommend Sense and Sensibility? Madeline.
1: Yes, I would recommend Sense and Sensibility as I did recommend it to you because (laughs) it's a great way to be introduced to Jane Austen since it's one of her first novels. I think it's a star-studded cast, great writing by Emma Thompson. And just overall for me, it's an enjoyable film. Um, Aside from its literary roots, I enjoy the movie um, as a standalone because it's only two hours long, it's easy to pop in and watch. It's
2: digestible.
1: Yes, it's very digestible. Um, as far as British movies go, I guess that's kind of <laughs> know, the context we have to put it in as Americans in the 21st century. Um, but I would definitely recommend *Sense of Sensibility to anyone who's interested in themes of sisterhood, themes of romance, themes of emotion versus logic. And mm-hmm. how they can blend. Patrick. Yeah, I recommend
2: it as well. Um, it's my favorite Jane Austen adaptation. Um, and Jane Austen is pretty uh, lauded as far as authors go. <laughs> so, um, if you want to get a taste of that and see what she's like, I think this is the best place to start for anyone who's interested. And uh, it's held up by great performances, the writing is pretty tight. The runtime is pretty easy, um, and the characters are great. The story is fantastic, and you know that all goes back to Jane Austen. Mm-hmm. So good stuff.
0: Yeah, I I struggled with this one as this you'll know, come apparent throughout this episode. I wasn't sure what to do. I did not really. I, if I came to a thumbs up, thumbs down, like or dislike, I would probably say that I just did not enjoy this movie a whole lot. But we come down to a recommend or not recommend, and I don't think this is necessarily a bad movie. There's a lot to like about this movie. Good acting, good writing. In moments, I'm not as in love with this script and writing as you guys are, but there's a lot to like here as far as the uh, what this movie has to say about the way women were treated at that time, class structure. I think it's got some really good subtle themes here. That is the key word there out of that sentence. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of movies can do uh, women class subtle themes anymore. It's just really just brash and out there and not really well done most of the time. And I think it is done well here. I honestly wish this movie focused on that a little bit more because that was some of the stuff I enjoyed the most about it but I think this is a good movie. I think this is something that people need to dip their toe into because I don't think this is part of a discussion right now. I don't think it's a category we look at a whole lot. It's just of this era. And I really feel like when, you know, Little Women came out with uh, the 2019, which isn't by Jane Austen, but is very much, I feel still in that that style and that reign. And I, I did really enjoy that movie as well. And I think that this movie I think there's a lot to enjoy about it. And I think that if people were a fan of Little Women, I think this is something that they should also definitely check out. I think people should try to just go into a different area than we're used to. And that's not something that happens a whole lot nowadays. And so I'm going to use this as a recommendation to go check out Sense of Sensibility, try something new, something you might not be very familiar with because I think that's something that people need to do a whole lot more in our culture. So there you go. I think you should go see Sense Sensibility, even though I didn't enjoy it personally, I do think that this is something that people can enjoy. So there you go. And I'm sure you guys are really relieved right now that I gave this one a recommendation, Um, but yes. I am too. I was really nervous coming Good out. let go there for a second. I was nervous because I, I, I was. I didn't want to come on here, Madeline's first time on the show, and just dog on this movie. But I do think that people can enjoy this movie, so I'm going to give it a, a recommend. I think people should check this one out. But um, that wraps up All this right. episode. Um, Madeline, you want to go and start off with some plugs? Any anything you'd like to say for people who want to check out? some of your stuff online?
1: Yes, you can find me at Madeline O'Segan on Goodreads, Letterboxd, YouTube, um, Spotify. I have a Sense and Sensibility playlist <laughs> if you want to check out my wow. inspired playlist on Spotify. And then you can always follow my blog, thelittledecorator.blogspot.com.
0: Patrick has absolutely nothing to say in this category. Patrick has no plugs. He is off the grid. And for me, you can find me over at my blog, the nonukemhub.blogspot.com. You can also find me over at, at Letterboxd. Uh, my handle is no nonukem, just my name, nothing fancy. And that is it. That's, that's all there is for me. Um, but coming up, we're not sure what we're talking about this week and absolutely next in the near future. But we know that Star Wars is coming up, and that's a big one. That's what I'm really excited to get to. Also am really nervous about, but we'll we we'll, could debate that on it's a lot to uh, reconcile with this franchise, but we're gonna discuss it all the Ewok movies and Empire Strikes Back. So we're gonna get we're gonna get through a lot. And I'm really excited because I actually just re-watched Empire Strikes Back in Star Wars, and it just was really great to revisit those two. So, which is kind of a spoiler for those two reviews, but you know, it's no secret for those of you who have listened to past episodes and heard me praise Star Wars. But that is coming up in the near future. Patrick, Madeline, thank you so much for joining me. It was great to have you on the show, Madeline. And we'll be back you, at some point with Star Wars. And this has been episode 66 of the Movie AX podcast. Order 62.
2: Thank you for listening.